What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. My fellow New Yorkers, we got it. Moments ago, Frank Robert James was stopped on the street and arrested by members of the New York City Police Department. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. This case was quickly solved using technology, video canvassing, and then getting that information out to the public. The bright spots of the incredible heroism of our fellow New Yorkers helping each other in a time of crisis. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. They got him on a tip. New York City police announcing the arrest, as you just heard, Frank James. It all unfolded live here on Bloomberg. He never left town. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we join you again from Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York. I'm Joe Matthew, and we rebuild today the events that led to the arrest and explore the case that investigators are now building. Charges already filed. We'll be joined in a moment by New York criminal defense attorney, former Brooklyn prosecutor David Schwartz, later by Bloomberg law host June Grasso. Analysis today from our panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor and Republican strategist Rick Davis along for the hour today, along with Joe Crowley, former Democratic congressman from New York. First, in a news briefing that you heard on Bloomberg, it included a live video address from the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, who we remind you the next few days, at least, is in quarantine for COVID. Here he is. My fellow New Yorkers, we got him. We got him. Cannot thank the men and women of the New York City Police Department enough, as well as our federal agents, our state police, our first responders from the 9-11 operators to the various men and women from our medical professions. We got him. Said it over and over again as he spoke from home. In what looked like a professional setting, they piped him in by Zoom there. It was a tip, as I mentioned, that brought James arrest, as we heard a few moments later from New York police. Crime Stopper tip comes in, reports that the mail is in the McDonald's on 6th Street and, and 1st Avenue in the 9th Precinct down on the Lower East Side in East Village. Officers respond to the McDonald's. He's not in the McDonald's. They start driving around the neighborhood looking for him. They see him on the corner of St. Mark's and 1st and they take him into custody. Simple as that. Now facing a federal terrorism charge, and that is where we begin with David Schwartz, New York criminal defense attorney partner at Gerstmann Schwartz, former Brooklyn prosecutor. David, it's great to have you here. I wonder your thoughts on this first salvo, the first charge that's been filed, having heard just 24 hours ago that this was not being investigated uh, as a case of terrorism. Uh, what do the semantics tell us here about this charge? Well, good to be here, Joe. Yeah, there's a lot of semantics here back and forth. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I think the statements in the beginning by the police commissioner were meant not to create panic uh, amongst New Yorkers, mm -hmm. but certainly it didn't preclude 
a terrorism charge, which certainly uh, this fits right into the federal terrorist statute. And it fits right directly into the state terrorist statute. Okay. They're, now, they're still obviously in the process of gathering uh, intelligence. This investigation uh, still has legs. It will likely go on for weeks, David. Do you expect many more charges? How does this unfold? Yeah, it, it's just the beginning of the investigation. The investigation is going to be all about strengthening the case. I, You know, the, the bottom line is the charges will be the, the federal terrorism charge. There'll be attempted murder charges on the state level. There will be state charges, I believe, federal charges. The federal case will come first. DA Eric Gonzalez will be working very, very closely uh, with the federal prosecutors in the Eastern District of New York. Mm -hmm. And certainly the crime and uh, crime of terrorism, you know, where you commit this mass shooting on a public transportation system, a public transit system with the intent to to influence a, um, uh, you know, to to promote this panic amongst a society of people, mm -hmm. that certainly falls square within the federal terrorist statute and the state terrorist statute. You'll have your attempted murders in there. You'll have assaults in yep. there. You'll have carrying uh, illegal weapons over state lines. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll have uh, multiple illegal weapons charges, uh, uh, bomb-making equipment. You name it, there'll be plenty of charges there. But as far as the investigation goes the investigation has just begun there's going to be all kinds of identification evidence being gathered mm -hmm. eyewitnesses there's going to be dna there's going to be blood evidence there's going to be all kinds of physical evidence where a lot of it has been recovered at the scene already uh some of it is yet to be recovered uh and and that physical evidence has to be analyzed there'll be probably hundreds of uh pieces of physical evidence to be uh, analyzed here. So we are mm -hmm. at the beginning, but there is enough evidence to charge this defendant at the, at this time. Right now, absolutely, David. He's, I'm assuming that there's an intense uh, questioning uh, session that's going on right now. Tell me if, if you see it differently. I remember the Marathon bombers uh, at this point. I believe they were uh, questioned for 16 hours or something like that. At least the older brother was. What's happening to David Schwartz what, right now? I'm what, sorry, to the, to the suspect right it, now. Right. Well, he has to be given his Miranda warnings. And uh, like any other defendant, if he's, um, you know, if he's on the ball, he'll invoke his right to an attorney and the questioning would have to stop. That's what any defendant should do in any case, no yeah. matter how heinous the crime is. And this is certainly a, a heinous crime. So assuming that happens and the questioning has to stop. But uh, if if this defendant does not invoke his right to an attorney or and, and decides to speak, There'll be a lot of questioning. I think a big focus will be who who else is involved here? Is it just this one person? We don't know that right now. So are there any other suspects? Are, did he receive any help? Are there any co-conspirators out there? Is this part of a bigger movement? You know, there's a lot of unanswered questions here. So that will that's going to be a whole nother investigation altogether, along with gathering evidence against this defendant. The question becomes... Who else is involved? How are you, if, if you're defending this case, David, how are you going about it? Obviously, you're going to lose this case, right? What would the narrative be well, that you're building starting now? Well, well, as a criminal defense attorney, it's never obvious that you're going to lose any case. I've never felt that way in my entire life. And I know uh, most criminal defense attorneys have not. However, obviously, this is a different type of case. Yeah. So, so, so look, you got to approach the case like any other case. You've got to challenge all the prosecution's evidence. You've got to 
challenge all their theories. You got to keep all your defenses alive, including the defense, the insanity defense, because th- we may be dealing with an insanity insanity defense mm-hmm. here. Uh, look, you got to you got to you got to protect your client. That's what the Sixth Amendment calls for. Calls for the passionate representation of a criminal defendant, oh, and course. certainly every every criminal defendant deserves that. And every criminal defendant must be presumed innocent mm-hmm. until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And the same standards, that's what's, that's what's beautiful and wonderful about our great nation, that no matter how heinous the crime is, every criminal defendant has those rights. Absolutely. And, and that's why the prosecution has their burden. And they are obviously they're going to be gathering evidence and, and, and going to, uh, you know, you know, going for a conviction. Yeah. How did New York sure. police look today, David? This ended up with a tipster finally leading them after 30 hours with hundreds of officers looking for this individual who apparently okay. wasn't going out of his way to hide very well. I mean, he was, I don't know, he was walking around the East Village. Sitting around but, McDonald's for But at McDonald's, uh, you know, uh, they, the police looked fine. I mean, I mean, this, the, you know, I'm sure they they it takes a while sometimes the city of nine million people it's a big city um there's a lot of uh you know we have no idea where he was hiding before this Mm -hmm. and and um you know i think the i think the police did their investigation i think certainly uh capturing someone within one day is is very reasonable uh, you know, I'd like to hear more about a lot of these cameras that weren't working in the subway system. Does that become part um, of the case, David? The, ca- the what the cameras yeah. not working? You know, if you're look, if you're building a defense, does that have anything? Is or is there just this just it, gobs it, of video from social media yeah, from other yeah, security it, from businesses and so forth? Apparently, according to the MTA, you know, those cameras may or may not have been working, but yeah. there were hundreds of other cameras that were working, and they had him uh, in the subway system. Right? We haven't seen that video yet, mm-hmm. but apparently that video exists. But look, as a defense attorney, you you need to challenge every single piece of evidence. They're going to challenge the evidence. They're certainly going to be making a lot of uh, uh, motions to preclude evidence in this case. And the defense attorneys are going to do their jobs. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to do a great job. But getting back to the police, uh, you know, this NYPD is the best in the world. And, and certainly capturing this defendant um, within a day is, is not unreasonable. From here, they try to build a motive, David. How do they do that? Does it start on social media or is it interviewing the sure. actual suspect? Sure. I mean, all of the above. So you're interviewing the suspect if he decides to speak, which he has a right not to speak. Hmm. Um, and he has a right to an attorney. Um, so 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 keep that in mind. And and also uh, the social media is is certainly very compelling evidence. It gives a lot gives a lot towards his motive. They're going to be uh, conducting searches of places where he resided and they're going to try to find all types of evidence. There's, there's so much evidence to be gathered right now. They're going to be speaking to witnesses that uh, his neighbors and, and other people that he spoke to. You know, apparently he, he's a very troubled uh, person, mm-hmm. uh, clearly, clearly troubled. But he's made a lot of statements, a lot of hate speech, a lot of racist speech. And all this needs to be gathered to develop a motive. Makes the defense more difficult the more a motive becomes clear or no deal. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This, I mean, look, I'm not trying to underplay the defense. The mm-hmm. defense is up against the world right now. Of yeah. course, it's a very tough case from a defense standpoint, but um, you want to chop into that motive also as a defense attorney, but the prosecution really needs to develop the motive, especially 
for the terrorism charges. You know, you know, you, you need that. You need to show that intent. You need to show that intent to cause havoc amongst yeah. a civilian population. That's really the crux of the terrorism statute. Certainly, you've got this mass shooting, right? Right, but 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 then it would just be a mass shooting. But David, what makes it terrorism? I'm out of time. Yeah. I just wonder how many years before a trial. Oh, it could be a year. It could be two years. Got it. You know, David Schwartz. Great conversation. I'm delighted you came in. New York criminal defense attorney Gersman Schwartz on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. The panel next. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. A 21-year-old man from Syria says he helped with the apprehension of Frank James. Natalie Wong has the story on the terminal. His name, Zach Dahan, was working security for a shop near St. Mark's Place and First Avenue. The East Village saw somebody walk by on the cameras who looked a lot like the photos that we had seen of Frank James. Natalie Wong actually spent a little bit of time with him in the neighborhood. Here's what Zach said. I seen him walk on the sidewalk. I watched him the camera from the screen. And I thought, oh my God, this is the guy. He killed the seven people. We need to catch him. Incredible. As we assemble the panel now with Bloomberg Politics contributor, Republican strategist Rick Davis, and joining again today by Joe Crowley, the former New York congressman and Democratic caucus chairman. It's great to have both of you with us. Joe, I'm going to start with you as a New Yorker. Somebody had said to me earlier today that unlike any other city, this one has the ability to lay down a blanket to, to connect the dots between all of the people on this island, put the alert out to find somebody like this. And Joe, by God, it was, it was a bystander who made a tip that brought this to a close. What does it say about it, this it, it's town? Nothing, it, it's, 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 it's nothing short of remarkable in so many respects. Uh, but also, uh, you know, it's New York, and people pay attention to what's going on. I think it also is reflective of the post-9-11 world, um, that people are more conscious about who's around them, maybe, uh, maybe keeping their eyes open a bit. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to think of the incredible police work that went into this as well, and and really, you know, now closing those avenues of escape, uh, I think, for uh, Mr. Frank James. Uh, but this was all hands on deck, uh, citizens doing their part to, uh, to, to, to bring this man to justice for what he attempted to do, and that was to murder innocent men and women and children. I suspect, Rick Davis, we're going to be learning a lot more in the days ahead, the weeks ahead as this case is built, a motive is established, they release more information uh, on the evidence and so forth, but there's already a federal terrorism charge. What does that tell you? Well, that tells me they're playing to win. Um, uh, I was very impressed that the very first thing we heard after the uh, arrest was that the Eastern District uh, of New York U.S. Attorney uh, has charged him with a federal terrorism charge, yeah. and you know that's that's heavyweight stuff. And I think they're throwing the uh, they're throwing the book at this guy, and and as well they should. How do you think police look today, Rick? 30 hours, the manhunt, uh, it's already shut down, although there were people who were complaining this morning that they didn't know if they should get on the subway because he hadn't been apprehended yet. Yeah, I thought David Schwartz made a good point, who you just interviewed, said, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, New York has got the best police force in, in the world. And, 
and they proved it today. I mean, 30 hours on a lamb, uh, still within the, 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 the burrows, uh, and they found him. Regardless of, uh, of who called it in, they were right there to pick him up at the time. And, um, and you know, I think, it's, I think it's great. I think one of the things that, that it proves is having cops uh, on the street and being ever vigilant uh, pays off. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, folks like uh, um, AOC, who would like to see fewer cops on the street, and one who protested having uh, a bigger presence in the MTA, uh, with police uh, are going to learn their lesson through this. Well, Joe Crowley has a pretty unique view of uh, of AOC, uh, <laughs> as you put it, Rick. But, you know, with all seriousness, Joe, and we talked about this on Balance of Power yesterday, the sort of politics behind this, the, the view of some uh, Democrats or the Democratic Party at large as being soft on crime. Do events like this turn the AOC's attention uh, back to law enforcement, maybe change some feelings in the Democratic Party? Well, I don't think that uh, the, 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 the opinions of a few uh, should be really um, aligned with the entire party. And just the same way, I don't think that all Republicans are against sensible gun control. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I thought that, we, we'd never be able to get anything done compl- at all. So I, I think that, you know, as E.J. Dion has in the Conte in the Post, the Washington Post, he said, our politics treat crime as an issue to be exploited not a problem to be solved. Hmm. And I think that's also, it's unfortunate with the politics of our country right now, everything. And Democrats use it against Republicans and vice versa. I just mentioned the gun issue. Um, but these are real people's lives at stake. And we shouldn't be, you know, uh, 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 assigning these isms uh, to parties for purely political purposes. If, if at the end of the day, it's not to actually get anything done, it doesn't serve anyone's benefit. And I know, listen, I, you know, when I was running in my primary, uh, my opponent at the time, AOC, came out to uh, to get rid of ICE. And I could not in good conscience say that. I would yeah. never do that. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I don't at the same time think that we should see the police we should get rid, get rid of all police officers. You know, you, you can't have a civil society without having some form uh, of protection uh, for the rights of people. But also, police departments need to respect the civil rights of the citizenry as well. I think you can have both, that protection and the protection of civil rights. Joe Crowley and Rick Davis with us on Bloomberg Sound On. We have breaking news from the Associated Press that confirms what some folks had actually asked about during the briefing earlier. The subway shooting suspect, Frank James, called police on himself, gave his location before the arrest, according to law enforcement officials talking with the AP. He said, I'm at McDonald's. We'll learn more about this and explore the charges, at least as they stand now, coming up with June Grasso, the host of Bloomberg Law. Be curious to pick June's brain on this one because we have a lot to learn still. Check markets and traffic on the way. Stay with us. The fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Joined in studio here at Bloomberg World Headquarters, by June Grasso. I'm so glad we could work this out. The host of Bloomberg Law, and you must be working on a doozy for 10 o'clock tonight, Wall Street time. We get you first. Uh, Just to start off with this headline, it's great to see you, with this headline about, and we already knew there were tipsters. He called the police on himself. I don't know if that changes the contours of this case very much to you, but should we believe that 
there could have been dozens of calls coming into police. Oh, I'm sure there were. Whenever they have anything like this where there's a reward of $50,000 yeah. offered, you know those, those lines are going. But from what I understand, even if he did call them on himself, mm -hmm. it was a couple of you know, New Yorkers who spotted him from the, the photos that have been yes. and said to the, oh, here he is, here he is. So who knows? I don't know. think that it changes things except maybe uh, to bring up perhaps some kind of mental uh -huh. kind of defense. You know, he's not in control of what he's doing. He sure, doesn't understood. know right from wrong, that kind of thing, which is very hard, by the way, to prove. But but that action may speak to his mental maybe, state, and it will play into this case. And also I heard a quote from his sister that was something like, he's always been alone his whole life, so Jeez. we don't know uh, where it's going. We heard from David Schwartz earlier in the broadcast. Uh, criminal defense attorney says, you know, there are going to be charges rolled out over the course of days, weeks, and likely months where this thing is going to be, you know, much larger than it is now. But there is a charge that has been filed. What do you know about it? So they're charging him. It's 18, in case you want the lingo, it's 18 I USC do. 1992 A7, because we lawyers love those subdivisions and divisions. And it prohibits terrorism or other violent attacks against mass transportation systems. So yep. you see where that fits in directly here. Um, they, there are other charges that they could file against him, and I think you know, they're right. They're going to, as the days go on, they're going to be looking at it before maybe even mm -hmm. Thursday when he's arraigned, you'll see more. But the, pro you know, the problem is that people say, oh, you know, charge him with terrorism. There is no real domestic, standalone domestic terrorism, federal domestic terrorism law in this country. And it's come up a lot since January 6th because, as you recall, there are a lot of lawmakers saying, well, we should have this. And others saying, well, that old story, like, you don't really need it. You have other things to charge him under. So they, mm -hmm. they're charging him under this at this point. It does carry life in prison without parole. So the last time we had an attack like this uh, in a subway station was Times Square during rush hour, mm -hmm. and it was a pipe bomb that exploded. And amazingly, no one was injured. Just like this is amazing that no one was seriously it's just injured. It's remarkable to me. In and fact, we don't talk enough about that. I mean, the, the police are getting a lot of credit here. The first responders... The people in the hospital deserve a lot of credit yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they saved lives. We had people in critical condition in the outset. Uh, remarkable, and, and that is something that we have to remind ourselves of here. What's this arraignment going to look like on Thursday? The, the arraignment, he's got a federal public defender assigned to him. So that right away shows that he doesn't have the money yeah, to have sure. a, and of course, there'll probably be lawyers now wanting to represent him pro bono mm -hmm. because of the high profile nature of the trial. So all that's going to happen is he's going to go into the courtroom and they're going to announce the charges, read the charges to him, and he'll plead guilty or not guilty. Yeah. Not guilty, most likely. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard anyone pleading guilty. You know, That would really show something. That would be some news, indeed. Yeah. Then it the process of establishing a motive. Jim. Right. Well, no, that's one thing that no one knows. They've mm -hmm. been talking about, you know, that he was looking at at uh, videos and saying things about Mayor Adams, but no one really has a motive here, and maybe there isn't a motive. Does I, it I matter know. in a lone wolf situation like this if he's disgruntled? Does it matter who he's angry at? You don't. You don't need a motive in yeah. these cases. You don't need a motive at all in any kind. Despite what you see on TV shows, where. You know, everyone has. What's the motive? Yeah, this you isn't don't need Columbo. a motive in these in the in any kind of case like this. And what's but 
prosecutors like to give a motive because the jury likes to hear that. They want to know what made what made this happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they'll come up with something when they do. I mean, look at all they've done already. It's only a day since this Incredible. happened, and they've already... And they could shut this down right now. They say, prove this case based on the evidence that we already oh. know about, actually. And uh, and as I, as I we said in the break, I mean, yeah. they've already been to Philadelphia to hit yeah. the warehouse. They've recovered all kinds of, of ammunition and mm -hmm. guns and stuff with a no-knock warrant, which means they didn't have to announce anything, yeah. just go right in, and um, you rarely get those. So, so how long is this going to take? People are used to these lasting years. Uh, are we looking at a two to three year span before uh, we're actually at trial or before there's they they might Conclusion. move this faster than than usual. They might move it, but yeah, I would say at least a year mm -hmm. before there's a trial. And you know, there is always the possibility of a plea bargain, but I don't know what they they probably would not give him anything less than life in prison because he apparently has a criminal background. Yeah, that so was, uh... some records, so that might eliminate that. But I think this is going to bring up a you know a, once again the question of whether we should have a domestic terrorism law in this country and. Um, you know, that's always been a question instead of just doing this piecemeal. And um, when we start talking about victims compensation, is that the oh, conversation that's looming? I don't I mean, I don't think that he he probably has no money to compensate right. the victims. But so and I don't know what kind of uh, victims compensation fund would be. I mean, probably there will be people who will raise money for that. Will there be lawsuits if that it's proven that that camera was malfunctioning? If I think there usually are lawsuits when things like this are involved. I yeah. mean, lawyers find a way to, to sue. And if there's any kind of negligence on the part of the MTA mm -hmm. or I think the police department was, was pretty you know rapidly, rapidly responded and stuff here. But there could be, yeah, there could be lawsuits. Um, June Grasso, what questions are you asking tonight at 10? At 10? I'm 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 talking about domestic terrorism too, and you know what it, what do we need a domestic terrorism law? Is it enough that we have this now? Could anything else have been done? And also, just you know, the point of there's so much the crime, the rise in crime in New York City has been just uh, awful to to look at. And but finally, we have this huge incident which really points it up. Before there, this incident, there was a, one incident on the west side, here, there, mm -hmm. but this is like so big that I, I think, you know, they have to address the whole issue, and that's what Mayor Adams was elected for, let's face it. Yep. He was the law and order candidate, and he was the one who said, I'm a, I was a cop, yes. I can do this, so now we'll see and if I we can, can do it. And I can get people back on the subway. It, yeah. Fascinating, as always, to spend time with June Grasso. Take Thank care. you, June. Thank you. Don't miss Bloomberg Law tonight, 10 o'clock, Wall Street time here on Bloomberg Radio. The best in the biz. We reassemble the panel next. Joe Crowley and Rick Davis coming back on Sound On, the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Hearing NYPD Chief of Detectives James Essig describe what happened inside that train car. When Frank James carried out his attack is chilling. This happened today during today's briefing, announcing the arrest, announcing that he had been taken into custody, telling reporters what investigators had heard from eyewitnesses on the train. We, we have witnesses on the train who said he was sitting in the back corner of the second car uh, and he popped uh, the smoke grenade. And we have one witness who says 
uh, what, what did you do? He goes, oops, and then he pops the two, brandishes the firearm, and fires 33 times. Fires 33 times. It's hard to imagine what you would do, what any of us would do in that scenario. But there was just something chilling to hear that he said, oops, after he popped the first canister. Essig went on to ask for other witnesses to come forward. They haven't likely spoken with everyone yet who was there. And so we do have an enormous amount to learn left. Let's reassemble the panel. Glad to be joined today by Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Republican strategist, joined with, or by, I should say, Joe Crowley, the former New York congressman, Democratic caucus chair. Uh, Rick, it's hard to fathom what uh, those people went through, the fear that they felt but we do need to hear from more of them. How important is it to kind of rebuild that scene when they were underground and nobody was watching? You know, it's it's well beyond just lessons learned, right? There'll be plenty of that done in the aftermath of this as to how to prevent this from happening again. But I think when you talk about like the psychological impact of being on a train, you know, you're in an enclosed space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've, you, you know, you've, you've got some fear already because the sub- subway is not like a walk in the park every day. And, 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 and all of a sudden it's filled with smoke and there's gunfire. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I saw one narrative about a woman who was protecting a, another woman who uh, was pregnant. I mean, just the idea that there's a pregnant woman on that train yeah. in the middle of this rain of gunfire is just chilling to me to read these articles. We'll carry that forever. Uh, Joe Crowley, this is part of the New York story uh, that we are telling here. And obviously, uh, these victims need to be cared for. How do you compel other people to come forward? Well, I think, uh, first of all, there's a calculated risk in living in New York City, period. (laughs) You you, you take the good and the bad. And uh, I think we've known that. I I grew up uh, during the 70s and the 80s and some of the darker days in New York and It still was a great and wonderful city in its own right. Um, but, look, you know, uh, it's important for people to be able to rely on the subway, uh, to get to and from work, to school, and to have faith in it. And we've had incidents in the past. There have been derailments. There have been other incidents that have taken place. And New Yorkers are pretty spirited. They get right back up on the horse and they, and they yeah. keep going again. And I think that's what's important here. Um and that you New Yorkers work together to, whether he turned himself in or it was a combination of others working there with police department, that uh, the recogni- recognizing that we have to work with each other in order to, to prevent things from happening in the future or to react to them when they do happen. How do you get people back on the train, though, Joe Crowley? Uh, this is something that yep. uh, is, is now in the air. That scene, people have, they're looking at it on Twitter, on their phones, saying, you know what, I, I think maybe I'll stay home and work from home or, or maybe I'll take an Uber to work. You know, for some people, it's going to be hard. For some people, it's going to be difficult, you know, to, to do that. But as I said, New York, New Yorkers are resilient, and we find ways uh, to overcome those fears And because we need to. New York needs to continue to operate. Um, you know, there are fears of terrorism events in the past, you know, since even prior to 9-11. Uh, you know, the, the, the concerns about sarin gas and other things that potentially could happen there. And it's, it's impossible to prevent every possible thing from happening. Of course. Uh, we, we know that with 9-11, uh, you th- you, unbelievable happened that day. We never thought that anything like that could ever happen, and yet it did happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, whether it's in New York or Omaha or wherever we may be, uh, we just have to keep on living our lives and keep on going because that's what we do. Uh, that's, that's what makes New York and makes this country so great, but particularly New York. 
uh, we get back up on the horse and we, we keep riding. And I think that's what we have to, to press. Like the mayor's going to do that. Um, and uh, I think average New Yorkers are going to do that as well. What's going to be the impact, Rick Davis, in Washington? We've talked about the remarkable timing that President Biden held a, a gun control and, and anti-crime event the night before uh, this happened at the White House there and with ghost guns in the Rose Garden. And here we are. Uh, just two days later, having this conversation, he was criticized by Republicans for pursuing gun control. And of course, he's been criticized by Republicans as well uh, for being, as as they have termed it, soft on crime. But of course, he's not relying on the legislature to get this done. I just wonder if there's any further response on Capitol Hill. Yeah, I'm sure that um, the, the balkanization will continue, right, that Republicans will continue to push for uh, more funding and, 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 and more support for police. And I would say, I mean, you know, when you look at uh, this last year's budget and all the uh, earmarks that were uh, placed in it, uh, a lot, if not maybe the majority of Democratic lawmakers were asking for earmarks for their local police departments. Hmm. So it's not a one-sided argument in sure. regards to uh, local crime fighting. Uh, but I do think it will uh, stoke up again, as it always does, um, the gun debate. And, and you know, we're going to now hear what kind of arsenal this guy had. Uh, seems like he had quite a bit of uh, weapons at his disposal. And the question is going to be, you know, should we make it that easy? And, and that's, that's not going to surprise anybody that that's going to be a hot issue right before the midterm elections. Joe Crowley, do you expect Republicans uh, on Capitol Hill to, to make a move legislatively to, to, to defang uh, that rule change that President Biden announced this week? Or, or is that not possible? Well, I think, you know, as, as Rick is saying, I think the polarization on all sides right now uh, are, is deep. It's very deep. And it's hard to imagine, given all the events that we've seen happen uh, throughout the last decade uh, of increased gun violence, the multiple events, whether it's in Sandy Hook or it's in Tampa, uh, just everywhere in Texas and in, in Vegas, uh, in, in Aurora, uh, Colorado, just everywhere. And we have it moved. It's hard to imagine that this is going to move, folks. But there's no question in my mind that James, uh, that that uh, that this individual, uh, uh, Frank James, mm -hmm. should never, given his criminal background record, ever been able to buy a weapon because he was never uh, charged with a felony. Right. Um, you know, that, that, that's simply unacceptable. Uh, he is he, just given his, his his background and his record. And by the way, you know, the crime that he's been charged with federally. Uh, we don't yet know what the motivation is. And you know what? When you do something in a subway like this, it doesn't matter because it's, it's an enclosed space. Uh, it's a public uh, uh, place as well. And it, it, the, the book needs to be thrown there. Uh, but we still don't know what his frame of mind is. And I think that's going to be important as well in terms of when, when this, uh, this case uh, does move forward. It, it's going to be interesting to know what that is. Does the president, Rick, need to start reminding people already that he's proposing increased police funding in his new budget? Well, I, I hope I hope he does, uh, because I think it's a positive thing for the country. And I'm sure that'll resound uh, positively for some voters on the Democratic side. Um, and I really thought this would have been a, a perfect week for him if he was going to launch this uh, attack on ghost guns to just mm. keep campaigning on on that and other issues uh, about crime. But he's pivoted and talking about uh, infrastructure. So um, I think one of the things this administration has to get their heads around is, do they want to talk about crime? Is mm -hmm. that going to be one of the things that they're going to tackle before? Aren't they writing that speech because right now in has the West Wing? Yeah, because of the, the actions of this. But like, it's not like he's 
had a plan because of the ghost gun legislature uh, regulation to go out and actually hit the communities that have been affected by gun violence. Uh, he was going to Iowa to talk about infrastructure. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's one thing to react to events of the day. It's another thing to have a plan around that. And what's the plan around this administration's commitment to crime? Joe, what do you think? Is it time for a national address on crime coming from the White House, the president in the East Room in a formal speech on this? Well, I think Rick made some interesting points. Uh, you know, it's it's consistency. It's con- you have to talk about these things over and over and over and over and over again in order to break through. I think he has a good point on that. And I think it would serve the president well to, to do this more often. Uh, but he's dealing with a myriad of issues, not, not the least of which is a, a war that well, is going right. on halfway around the world. Uh, he was talking about inflation and reducing inflation by increasing uh, the level of ethanol in gasoline, mm-hmm. a boon to middle America in terms of corn-growing uh, states as well. So those are also important issues. Uh, but I think there is something to be said for repetition, repetition when it comes to politics, when it comes to driving a message. And I think the president needs to do more of that. I agree with Rick on that. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick, if you're going to hold an event on infrastructure right now, maybe you talk about security upgrades in the New York subway system. That's where some of that money is going to go, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And uh, and that's the greatest thing about uh, this massive bill. I mean, this has got all kinds of good uh, opportunities to tighten up and improve mass transit all across America. But uh, I would say, too, I mean, uh, it's unfortunate that the mayor of New York City, uh, Eric Adams, has COVID. Uh, but this is a moment for him to pull the city together, too. He'll mm-hmm. come out of COVID at some point soon. And I think, you know, he will... He will have the spotlight on him for the first time in his administration. Shelly Banjo at Bloomberg reporting that uh, Eric Adams, in fact, is expected to emerge from quarantine on Saturday. So prepare for a major public event then. Rick Davis, Joe Crowley, former congressman. Great pleasure, as always, our panel on what is it? The Wednesday, yes, edition of Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg. 